Hello, and welcome to the Plant-Based Liberty Podcast, the official podcast of the LP Plant-Based Caucus. On this podcast, we'll talk with guests and explore where a plant-based lifestyle meets libertarian philosophy and so much more. We believe people have the right to freedom when it comes to what they eat, but they deserve to hear the other side of the story from our perspectives. And with that, here's the Plant-Based Liberty Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode six of Plant-Based Liberty. I am Plant-Based Matt. And I'm Jessica. And today we're talking with Cersei Blue and Gigi Carter. Hey, how are y'all doing today? I'm doing, doing well. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We're so happy you're here. I heard you guys on the, the Plant Strong podcast with Rip Esselstyn. And just loved everything you guys talked about on there. A lot of the things you guys believe align with what we believe. And uh, we'd love to for you to share your story with our listeners. So if you guys wouldn't mind, just kind of start by telling us what your lives were like before going plant-based and then what ultimately made you guys make the transition. Yeah, I'll I'll kick it off and then turn it over to Cersei. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Like, what was my life before plant-based? <laughs> it's, like, it's a lot different than it is now. Um, yeah, so my, my story goes back to 2007 when um, I went in for a routine wellness exam and my doctor um, did a carotid artery scan of my neck and also did a regular lipid panel. And he said, you know, hey, um, you have the arteries of a 46-year-old, um, but I was only 35 years old at the time. And your cholesterol is really high. I need you to go on a statin drug. And I was just kind of in shock, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I knew I wasn't taking the best care of myself in terms of what I was eating and not really being physically active on the regular but um, I just was shocked that I would have to go on, that he would ask me to go on this drug because I just thought it was for people like, you know, in their 60s or 70s. Like, you know, I, and so I told him, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this drug. I just kind of refused and, and walked out. And around the same time, I learned about the work of Dr. Dean Ornish and his lifestyle heart trial from the 1990s. And it showed that you could reverse heart disease um, just by changing your diet to basically a plant-based diet. And I remember, you know, trying to figure out what is a plant-based diet and learning what that was, that it was devoid of basically animal products. And, um, and I remember saying to myself, oh, I can't, you know, live without, you know, fish or sushi or whatever and cheese and all these other things. And, I did what I thought was the next best thing, which was I looked up what the <laughs> what the U.S. government said was a healthy diet. I'm chuckling because it's so silly. Um, so I um, did what the USDA said was a healthy dietary pattern. So I opted for poultry and fish instead of meat. Um, 
low-fat dairy instead of full-fat dairy. And my cholesterol went from borderline bad to, excuse me, from horrible to borderline bad and stayed there for about five years. And what I noticed as I was moving into my late 30s, kind of early 40s, was the weight was just starting to come on. And I was just struggling to stay focused and stay alert and awake. It was like I would be consuming caffeine in the afternoon and eating sugary snacks, trying to get a jolt, a boost to get me through the day. And um, and around the same time, I started experimenting with some cleanses that a friend of mine was doing. And one, the one that we were kind of doing together was called the Master Cleanse. And it's just this concoction of lemon juice, you know, cayenne pepper and maple syrup. And you're supposed to do it for 10 days. And I lasted maybe about five days um, and did it a few times, actually. Um, and noticed after doing it a few times that I felt best when I was just eating the protocol to um, just have like vegetable broth and raw vegetables and fruit for a few days before going back to your, you know, quote unquote, healthy diet. And I was like, you know, I feel best when I'm eating that intermediate kind of diet, not when I'm doing the cleanse, not when I'm eating my regular diet, but when I'm just doing the vegetables and fruit. And so um, after coming back from a really elaborate vacation in 2012, uh, my husband and I went to, to Paris and we were eating all the food there, which um, we were just, oh, we overdid it. And I said, you know what, I am going to detox. I'm going to move to a vegetarian diet because I just can't keep eating this way. And I knew I was kind of a ticking time bomb at that point um, as far as my health goes. And so I just started transitioning to a vegetarian diet. It was like I was eating vegetarian twice a week, three times a week, so forth. And then after about six months, um, I kind of, you know, shouted from the mountaintops, hey, I'm a vegetarian now. <laughs> and so I was vegetarian just for one month. It lasted one month. When um, And I remember this, it was in July of 2012. I was at home um, watching two documentaries back to back. One was Forks Over Knives and the other one was Earthlings. And um, being an animal lover, um, you know, I kind of realized that, you know, I can't... Um, I can't love animals and eat them at the same time. <laughs> kind of hit me at that point, okay? And then I was like, oh, and then, you know, what can reverse disease in your life and help you to lose weight and have more energy is eating plants. And I knew that from before, but I wasn't ready to accept it. So it was just the way they portrayed it in the in the documentary just really resonated with me as I know it has done you know, hundreds of thousands of other people around the world, maybe more. And um, I walked into the kitchen that that very day and I said to my husband, I'm going vegan. And, you know, he said he'd do it with me. And, um, and so that was, you know, over 11 years ago. And um, everything changed in my life for the better. Everything. Um, I got more mental clarity, more spiritual clarity. I lost weight. My cholesterol went into the healthy range. I was no longer borderline high. Um, everything just like fell into place. I got all this energy. I started bike racing at 42 years old and I'm still bike racing today um, at 52. So 
Um, it was life changing. I changed my career. I quit my corporate job after 22 years and went back to school and got a master's in nutrition sciences and, you know, decided that I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life helping other people um, take control of their health too using whole food plant-based. So Awesome. Love that. Such an incredible story. Yeah. That's my dream right there. Hopefully <laughs> 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 one day. <laughs> so yeah. Tell us a little about yourself, Cersei. Yeah, for me, um, my story started back in um, 2010. I was in the last trimester of my pregnancy, actually. And um, I was actually diagnosed with high blood pressure. And at the time, I didn't, because my mom had high blood pressure, my grandmother had high blood pressure. So I was kind of naive at what that actually meant at that point. And so what I know now is that, um, you know, people who have high blood pressure during pregnancy are at a higher risk for complications during, before, and after delivery. And so, and that's even higher for African-American women. And so I didn't know any of that at the time. Um, and so my doctor had put me on medication. Um, and so when I was actually in delivery, I had a complication with my son and he ended up losing oxygen to his brain and they had to like flight him out to like a hospital and he wasn't able to, um, like drink on his own. And there was just a lot of like mental, not mental brain damage. So he wasn't allowed to do a lot of the things that normal regular babies can normally do. Um, and so we basically had to take care of him like 24 hour care for about a year. And then a little bit right after his first birthday, he ended up have, he ended up passing away because he had a complication with his breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you can imagine, as a mom, as a family, that was like, I guess, the most devastating part of the whole thing. I mean, it was traumatic throughout the whole thing, but that was even more after losing him. And so I was at the lowest point of my life at that point. Um, I think at that point as well, I was definitely connected to my church community and family. So that was good. But of course, there's still the grief. There was still like using food to kind of medicate, you know, Mm. to kind of get through some of those emotions and things like that. Um, And so um, just randomly out of the blue, a friend of mine um, said to me, hey, I'm going to be doing the Daniel fast. Do you want to jump in on it with me? And I had did the Daniel fast before because the church I went to used to do Daniel fasts, you know, every now and then. So I have done it before. But if I recall, I wasn't, I don't think I was actually doing the Daniel fast the way it was designed. Like I would just add some cheese and add some eggs. Like I would just kind of mix it up in my own way. So when she asked me, do you want to do the Daniel fast? I was like, Uh, I don't know, but I said, I'll go for it, but I'm going to add eggs and I'm going to add cheese. And she said, hold up. If you're going to do the Daniel fast, you're going to have to just do it exactly the way it's designed. And she just said it so powerfully. And I was like, whoa, I felt so arrested in the moment. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll I'll do it exactly the way it was designed. It was a weird moment, just the way she said it and just the way I felt so taken aback by it. But I said, okay, I'm going to do it the way it's designed. And um, so I ended up doing the Daniel fast. I you know exactly the way it's designed. No, no dairy, no eggs, no processed food, nothing. And within about, I would say maybe three or four weeks, honestly, I can't even tell you how many days, but it's between three and four weeks. I had lost weight. My blood pressure was regulated. 
Um, I had mental and spiritual clarity. I could hear God's voice more clear. I had like a new lease of life. You know, at the time I just thought, wow, was this like a miracle that God just opened up the heavens and just, you know, just do something like in my life, just in that moment. And I was like, am I an anomaly or what's going on? And so I started to do more research. I started to go online. You know, I started to study the, 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 the story of Daniel a little more deeper. And I realized that, wait a minute, a plant-based diet um, is the only diet that has ever been proven to reverse heart disease and manage diabetes and help with weight loss and prevent cancer. And, and I was reading all these things. I'm like, where has this been all my life? How could this be? And so when I started to read into the story of Daniel and I realized, wait a minute, he put the plant-based diet to the test and he was healthier than his peers. I saw this great connection. Um, and then during, you know, during the Daniel fast, not only are you just not eating certain foods, but you're also doing devotion and prayer. And I just saw this perfect synergy of my life unfold when I was combining what I was eating that was healthy and then also inviting God into that space and praying. And I just felt like there was just something about that combination. And so I just went on a mission to help people connect their food to their faith. And here I am today. <laughs> That's awesome. Both, yeah. both of y'all's stories are so inspiring. I mean, it's not the adversity you face, it's mm -hmm. how you handle it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. y'all have handled it very admirably. So love that. Um, was it difficult for you all to, uh, make the transition to a plant-based diet? And, uh, did you have like pushback from friends and family as well as members of your church? Yeah, I, I would say like, it was, it was difficult for me at first. That's why it took me five years. <laughs> but once I made that connection and that my why was so convicting to me, it was actually very simple. It was just a matter of figuring it out. And, um, you know, at the time there were some resources. I was living in Jackson, Mississippi of all places when I made the change, which is not necessarily, you know, known to be, you know, a high, you know, vegan hotspot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I learned, nothing. I mean, there were, there was definitely, it was a vegan community. It was very small and that helped having a connection to a community, but, um, also, just going into it with an open mind that, you know, I've never done this before. Did I, was I perfect in terms of eating a well-balanced meal every day? No, but it did allow me to explore foods I'd never tried before, you know, like produce items, like mango. I'd never like literally yeah. eaten a mango before. Yeah, um, and then there were other vegetables and peas and and beans that, you know, I would just go to the farmer's market or even just go to the Kroger. There was no Whole Foods there at the time and just kind of just seek out things I'd never had before to try and just um, eat those. So my dinners kind of looked a little weird, but then I, you know, I, I obviously got the Forks Over Knives cookbook and I started, you know, reading about like ultra uh, distance runners like Scott Jarek and got his book and, you know, and there were always like little recipes here and there and that I would try and just start folding things together. But um, it wasn't hard once I made the decision to do it. 
And yeah. I did not get pushback from my family um, either. So which I, I know I'm not the norm, but my, my family was fine. <laughs> it did like people in your church think it was weird. It was, I, yes. I assume you went to church. At the time, at the time I didn't belong. I didn't have a church home okay. at the time. So that okay. wasn't a factor. Yeah, um, but, you know, I had some, some people who later on, you know, after I, you know, when I started bike racing and stuff, started would tease me every now and then you know but i was usually smoking them on the bike anyway so i (laughs) love that (laughs) but no i i didn't i know a lot of people do get pushback but i i did not um and so you know i for me it wasn't it wasn't that hard once i made the decision because the results just spoke for themselves you know yeah for me i i guess I feel like it was almost like God was just catapulting me through this thing. Because like I said, after I did those four weeks, when I felt arrested and I was like, okay, I want to do it the way it's designed, I just never turned back. So for me, it was just the shock of making the choice of doing it. And then once I experienced the benefits, I I just felt so compelled with this message and everything that I just never turned back. But the interesting piece is that because, and I, I don't even, I don't have, Gigi, I don't even think you've heard this story, but I don't even, I haven't even told the story on any podcast, but I'm just going to tell it now. But at the time, because we were taking care of my son 24 hours, literally around the clock, the church that we were actually going to, we were you know, like, we were kind of displaced from it a little bit because we weren't going as frequently, but then they ended up splitting. And so that church no longer existed, the church that we were at. And so at the time that I had, that I was on fire with this, I did the daily fast, God changed my life. The windows had opened. I actually didn't have a church in that moment because when my son passed away, they had already left. So we had nowhere to go back to. And so I remember praying one day, I said, God, I don't really have time to church hop because you know, when you start looking for churches, it can get you could start getting picky, like, oh, I like this on that one, you know, and then you get into the, you could be looking like for two years. And I was just <laughs> at that moment, I was like, God, if you allow someone to just invite me to church, I'm just going to be obedient and go. I'm not going to nitpick the church. I'm not going to, you know, you know, of, of course, within reason, I'm not going to go off the rails if they're not, you know, Christian or something, but I'm just saying, I'm not going to nitpick the church. If you, I just want you to tell somebody to invite me to church and that's where I'm going to go. And so here I am. Remember, I'm, my family was fine because they saw the changes and all of that. And so I remember I had had a doctor that was seeing me after I, um, my pregnancy and she said, Hey, I'm moving to Atlanta. So I'm, I'm transferring all of my patients to this new doctor. And I said, Okay, no problem. I went to that doctor. This was just this was like maybe a couple days after I had prayed that prayer. I didn't see the connection in the two. I went to the doctor and I was saying, you know what? I I don't want the doctor to talk me out of eating plant-based. I'm showing them my numbers of all my blood pressure going down. But I knew I had to go for my physical. So I went in there and said, I hope this doctor doesn't talk me out of it. Blah, blah, blah. So I went in and I was telling him everything that I was doing and I was going on and on. And he's like, I totally agree. He said, I've never, ate, I've never eaten meat in my entire life. Oh my gosh. Wow. I was like, wow. And I was like, okay. And, and that's not the end of it. So he, and he tells the story now, but he's actually the godfather for my daughter now. So this is just to show you wow. my daughter that I had later. He left that office 
And he was wrestling. He, got, he said, God said to him, go back in there and invite her to church. And mm. he was like, I don't really have time, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he wrestled it with her for a few seconds. And he went back in there and he said, hey, we're having a potluck at the church. You know, I'm inviting you to church. Bam. Wow. That was it. I went to the church. The entire buffet was plant-based. He's never eaten meat. And anyway, and that just started the whole thing. He became the godparents, him as the wife to my daughter. And it just went from there. So I feel like God literally had his hand just in this for me in such a real way that there was just no way for me to turn back from it. Mm. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. That is yeah. so I don't think I've ever told the story on a podcast, but your question is vital that. Well, we appreciate it very yeah. much. That's a wonderful story. So when was it the two of you connected? Yeah, it was at the height of the pandemic, actually. Yeah, it was um it was I think it was April 2020 was when we when we connected. I had um there was a lady helping me with my blog. She's a she's a writer and so she was helping me with some articles. And I um you know, we had worked on an article that you know, really kind of came out of some of the data that was being reported during the pandemic, which was people who were um, being most affected by COVID in terms of complications and death um, were people who had comorbidities, you know, things like obesity and type 2 diabetes and uh, high cholesterol, heart disease, all those things, uh, compromised immune systems. And and I remember um, the data was also coming out that it was affecting the black community disproportionately. And there were some people on there who were just surmising, oh, well, it's because black people tend to be in jobs that give them exposure to it, you know. And, but, you know, we know the data, which is there is a disproportionate um, number of chronic illnesses in the black community. And, so, you know, I basically, we, uh, she, she wrote the article and then we just started trying to um, kind of get the message out there. So she reached out to Cersei, who had a podcast at the time, um, which we still have a podcast, but it's, it's evolved. Yeah. And, um, and so it was, it was basically just saying, hey, you know, we want to talk about this issue. And she agreed to have us on her show. And so that's how we met initially. It was over Zoom um, for a podcast. And, um, and then we just kind of hit it off. And then I invited her onto a YouTube channel that I had just started um, to share her story. And, um, and so that's how we met. It was like in the middle of the pandemic. So she, she shared her story. And then I reached back out to her asking you know, she knew someone who could write an article about the Daniel fast and using it as a jumping off point for a plant-based lifestyle. And she said, well, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she wrote it. And, um, and I was like literally on my bicycle working out, like on my bike trainer, thumbing through the article. And it just, you know, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit just kind of was like, hey, this is a, this is, there's something here, like this should be like a program to help other women uh, and men who can use the Daniel fast as a jumping off point to take control of their health. Because 
Um, you know, there's such a need out there. So I just emailed her while I was on the bike thinking, okay, I don't know if she'll get back to me or she'll get back to me in a week or whatever, a few days. I don't know. But she responded like instantly. It was almost like she was expecting the email from me because it was so quick. And she turned, I said, would you be interested in collaborating? And she was like, yes. <laughs> like, yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I heard, uh, I was listening to y'all's uh, episode on Plant Strong while I was in, while I was working out today, lifting weights. And it had me tearing up, lifting weights, hearing, yeah. uh, you know, about the uh, the birthday. Um, oh, the oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing. And you know, um, you know, and the thing with the Daniel fast is that after I had did the Daniel fast and I said I was going to go on this mission to help people connect their faith to the faith, I was starting to like reach out to churches and you know say, hey, you want me to help? But it wasn't really ha- getting any headway. And then there were certain little crises that started happening in my life. And I said, you know what, God, if you want something to be done with this Daniel fast, I'm just going to take my hands off it. And it's going to just be, it's going to be up to you to do it. And so when she, that's why when she sent me that email, I responded so quickly, yes, because I had already put that out there that I knew there was something I needed to do around the Daniel fast, but I couldn't figure it out. So when she said it, it just, I just knew that was it in that, in that moment. So. Yeah. To go back to what Matt said for our listeners that don't know. So Cersei's son's anniversary, the death, the anniversary date of his death is the same as Gigi's birthday. Yeah. And we did, we just knew that it was just by coincidence. I had sent Gigi the funeral tape because we had like a, a video that we showed at his funeral and so I just sent it to her, you know, so she can get an idea of like who he was and all that other stuff. And she, her and her mom called me back in tears and said, you're not going to believe this, but KJ's birthday, no, death KJ's day. death day is Gigi's birthday. And in that mm. moment, we just knew that I, we just knew that was a whisper from God because yeah. the millions of birth dates and combos that could happen. Of you because yeah. you know, remember Gigi's born 40 something years before KJ ever was born, and then he dies on her birthday. Yeah. That to me was God saying, I'm just sending you something so that you know that my fingerprint is on this, that you can't. When you when you when you have days that you're like, God, is this really going anywhere? Are we doing the right thing? Go back to that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because what? How many chances? What are the odds of that? I don't know if anybody's a mathematician, but what? What's yeah. the odds of that? One in a what? Yeah, one in a whole lot. Yeah, and 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 the other thing that's so fascinating about this, I mean, we're three thousand miles apart. Like I'm in the upper west corner, upper northwest corner of the United States. Like you can literally see like Canada from where I live. Like it's it, we're that far northwest. And Cersei is in the southeast, like way southeast, and and we meet over Zoom in the middle of a pandemic. It's <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and and again, it's the pandemic that allowed us to both be because it's why we started the podcast. It's why we were, yeah. you know, everybody was hunkered down and their creative juices were, you know. So it was just, I don't know. So yeah, that part is just, yeah, it still has interesting. It's interesting that time you could have chosen to do a lot of things, gone down a lot of different paths, mm-hmm. and 
you just had to, y'all definitely went down a great path, but some people chose not to do anything. And if they have comorbidities, that's not good. Yeah. But. You all just released your new book yeah. called Daniel Fast, Why You Should Only Do It Once. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was hoping you could explain to our audience what the Daniel Fast is and why you feel people should adopt this as a lifestyle and not just a fast every once in a while. Yeah, well, the Daniel Fast um, is taken from Daniel 1 verse 8, when Daniel basically was brought into the king's palace to be, you know, groomed, I guess, for the king's affairs. And basically, you know, the king had on his was was basically feeding all these young men the king's diet, which was of meat and dairy and rich food, wine, alcohol, and things like that. And Daniel, um, you know, decided that he didn't want to defile himself. He knew those foods did not align um, with what God wanted him to eat. And so he said to the, the caretaker for the messenger of the king and said, hey, um, if you just give us 10 days, that if we just eat vegetables and water um, and we put it to the test and see what happens, if we're not comparable to the other young men who are eating the king's diet, then fine, we'll go ahead and eat the king's diet. And so what's so amazing is that after those 10 days, Daniel and his friends were actually healthier um, than those that were eating the king's diet. And so the church in, you know, forward now got inspiration from that and decided that they would do Daniel fast around that whole story. And a lot of churches do Daniel fasts in January just to start the new year off. And so they eliminate all dairy, all processed food. It's even, a, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a more of a strict whole food plant-based diet. Like there's no preservatives and you know, no, nothing fried and all that kind of stuff. So it's the purest sense of a whole food plant-based diet. And then they'll do that for about three weeks. Um, and then most people just kind of go back to their old way of eating and maybe revisit it again in another January. So this has kind of been a tradition in the church with the Daniel Fast. And so the reason why we titled the book Daniel Fast, Why You Should Only Do It Once, is this whole idea that we shouldn't be boxing the Daniel fast into 21 days, but it should be the actual gold standard because of all the benefits, because it reverses heart disease, because it treats diabetes, because it's making us healthier than the rest of the world that's eating the king's diet. It shouldn't be something that we just do every year. It should be our, the way that we live. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because a lady at my church, this was after we had already gone vegan in January, she was, that we do a fast in January. And she mentioned, oh, you guys should do the Daniel fast. And she knew we were vegan. And then she was like, oh, wait, I think you guys are already kind of doing that like <laughs> full time. <laughs> and I was like, what is it? And then she explained it to me. I was like, yeah, that's what we already do that. <laughs> so it was just funny. But, Maybe yeah. not in the purest sense right. like like yeah. we do now. Now so, we're whole food plant-based. Yeah, we started doing that in so. May. Just yeah. Fully. yeah, yeah. But still the idea that, you know, and, and this is why a lot of people – and I knew that when I was when I was actually doing the Daniel fast back in the day, 
I didn't really realize that the Daniel fast was a vegan diet either. Like there was just mm -hmm. idea that the Daniel fast was just his own thing that you just didn't eat meat for 21 days. And, you know, and then you realize, wow, um, it, it is a plant whole food plant based diet in its purest form. So. <laughs> Would you say there's other scriptures in the Bible that promote a plant-based diet? Are there any specific ones you can think of off the top? Yeah, of your head? I mean, you know, even, you know, of course, Daniel 1 verse 8, you know, putting plant-based diet to the test. You know, we say Dr. Greger always says that, you know, the Daniel fast was the first clinical study to prove a plant-based diet. But then we have the Genesis 1:29 that says, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree and seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every, and this is the other piece. This is 30 that a lot of people don't read and to every beast on the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given you every green plant for food. So this is to say that not only are is plants given to humans for their food is God's best design, but so are the animals. We're all supposed to be nourished by plants. And so you know, the other one is, is Isaiah 11, 6 to 9, that says the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And just that whole concept that, you know, we're, you know, in God's perfect world, we're not the enemy to the animals and we're not trying to attack them and eat them. And it's us living in harmony and plants is what we are all being nurtured by. And I know the famous scripture, which Genesis 128, that says that, you know, we're given dominion over the animals. A lot of people use that to actually say, see, I told you we could eat meat. But I look <laughs> at it more from God's original design, because if you're going to analyze what we should be doing after sin, that's when we've already missed a mark. We need to look at it. What was it before sin? And when you look at the yeah. garden and when you look at what God's perfect intention is for us, um, is for us to be stewards of the animals and stewards yeah. of the planet. Um, and I think a lot of people have it jaded because they're looking at it through the lens of sin and saying, okay, well now we're, no, I think that's what sin is allowing us to distort what stewardship of the animals and the earth is doing. So we feel, oh, I can abuse everything and not, you know, yeah. but really it's, it's the opposite. Exactly. Exactly. Love that. So you all talk a lot about um, our divine purpose being connected to our health and that our health is actually a spiritual practice. Um, can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Well, Cersei's Cersei, the master in this one, but yeah, I can just, I can do it just from, from, from a perspective. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it comes back to you know, when you're riddled with chronic disease and, you know, I know this from family members and, and seeing, you know, just people in the community who, who have really struggled with chronic illnesses, that you are bogged down in a system and your full attention is devoted to things like scheduling doctor's appointments, going in for, you know, visits to get, you know, treatments done or, um, stress tests or, you know, all these things, and then going to the pharmacist to, to get your medications and, and then being, you know, having side effects from those medications and then getting more prescriptions for the side effects of the medications. And it's this never ending cycle where your attention is completely hijacked 
in a sick care system. And, and when that happens, you are not focusing on, you know, your, your, your spiritual calling. You may not even know what your spiritual calling is if you're really, um, if your mind is so cloudy from eating the standard American diet. And so this whole thing about connecting your faith um, and your health and serving out your purpose with excellence really comes down to using food as medicine and, you know, really looking at your physical body, um, you know, because it does house the Holy Spirit that as a, as really a temple, because we don't really look at it as a temple. A lot of times we, you know, we look at the sanctuary in a church, you know, one way, but then we look at our bodies another way and we shouldn't do that. And um, so for us, making that connection is really around, you know, being able to serve more, you know, being able to do that ministry work, to give more to the church even, um, and really just fulfill your, your calling with, with excellence. Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of living in alignment because, you know, if we really believe, just to echo what Gigi's saying, if we really believe that our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit, it should show with how we treat our bodies. Like there is a disconnect yes. there. You know, I talk a lot about this all the time that, you know, we can, out of autopilot, we can have a plate of toxic food and say grace over it. And it's absurd, right? Because it's like, is this food worthy of saying grace? And so once you start getting those connections and you start realizing not only is this food worthy, but how did this food get to my plate? Is that worthy to be saying grace over? So it's about really being intentional and really understanding that what we eat, how we eat, how our food is made, you know, who's harmed in the process of making the food, all of these dynamics says something about, are you aligned with how, with your body being the temple? Are you living out your spiritual principles, your values from that core place? Because I think it's not so much that we don't believe it, it's that we haven't made the connection. Because when you start breaking it down, people are like, oh yeah, that's so true. I won't deny that. Like, you know, and so that is why we talk about being healthy for your purpose, because at the end of the day, you know, Gigi and I were just on a Instagram today talking, we're like, um, toxic food is Satan's secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Because here you are, you're under attack for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks. And it's a loophole that you don't even realize that the enemy is attacking you from being able to carry out your call to the highest level. So to me, when people start getting healthy, it makes the devil nervous because people are going to start having clear minds, new visions, new purposes to advance the kingdom of God on another level that they've been clouded, that he's been sedating them. You ever watch those movies where you remember Misery? I know I'm going off on a tangent, but that movie was oh, just dating him and he had no idea. He just couldn't get better. That's what the enemy does with toxic food. We don't know that we're sedated and it's not until we get off of it that we're like, hold up. There's a whole nother world out there that I can be doing for the kingdom of God. 
what what was the guy's name? Was it he calls himself? What was it the Minister of Health that was on exam oh, room? Oh, the Minister lately? of Health. Oh, yeah. He calls it the Satanic American yeah. Diet. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that was that leads into my next question. Do you think, as a society, we have made food an idol? Oh, yeah. That's a that's a good one. There's many ways. I think. I think. Yeah. I think it has because. You know, and, you know, that's what we talk about in our boot camp. One of the things is that a lot of times we use food for things that we should be going to God for, right? So let's use emotional eating, for example. Sometimes we're going to food for stress and and depression and anger when really we should be turning to God. And so food has become our idol. We're obsessed with it. Some people are, you know, you're, you're, you're eating lunch, thinking about what's for dinner and it can consume you, especially when you have that diagnosis and the doctor says, do not eat these foods and you can't pull away from them. That means that that food has become an idol in your life. Mm-hmm. And food addiction. I mean, I'm guilty. I was guilty of it. Yeah, we all. What they put in that food? I mean, it's addictive. Yeah, I saw uh, there's like 50 ingredients in a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. I think mm. I, somebody mm. shared around that meme the other day. Just mm. like, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. so much it's, garbage. Yeah, and it's designed to get you hooked. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's designed to get you hooked. I mean, it's a business because, you know, it's it's it creates what, you know, companies like to call a recurring revenue stream. And um, if you're hooked on it, they know that they can count on you buying it, you know, every day as you're driving past that corner and you swing through the drive through and pick it up. So um, there's money to be made in these toxic foods. So during your episode with uh, Rip Esselstyn from Plant Strong, um, you mentioned specifically Southern Christians having a better reaction to the Daniel fast um, versus calling it a vegan diet. Um, why do you think there's such a negative stigma regarding uh, the word vegan? Well, I think, I mean, I can kind of share my thoughts. And I think that there's a couple things going on because there's vegan, um, there's a vegan diet, which, you know, sometimes people will call themselves plant-based and not vegan because they're still buying leather shoes and still, you know, buying other animal products, um, but not eating an animal, you know, not eating animals or, um, or, you know, their derivatives. And, and so I think sometimes there's a stigma with veganism because it um, is attached to a perception. Um, sometimes it's a perception of, you know, kind of a hippie lifestyle. You know, I don't shave my underarms and I hug trees and, <laughs> you know, like there's a stigma around that. And then there's also a stigma around veganism in terms of, you know, throwing you know, paint on f- people's fur coats and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, it's kind of um, confrontational. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then I also think that, you know, there's not a, a depth of why I think for, for people who are believers, the, the, the depth of why, I mean, occasionally it happens. It happened with me where I did go vegan for animal cruelty, animal rights reasons, 
Um, and I went vegetarian for health reasons and then I went vegan for, for animal reasons. And then my health was, you know, an additional benefit as well as, you know, the environmental benefits. Um, but I think with the, with the Daniel fast and the reason why it was more well-received, but was because it had a, it was connected more to God. It had a bigger, a deeper why. And Cersei and I have been saying that, you know, this whole concept of connecting your faith to your health is that fifth why for going vegan. Um, you know, there's animal reasons, there's, um, there's, you know, health reasons, there's environmental reasons, there's social justice reasons. And now there's really this spiritual kind of faith-based reason, um, for going vegan. Yeah, I'm, I, um, I'm, I'm in the uh, libertarian community and a lot of them are just so scared that like vegans are trying to take over the world and make them stop eating meat and make them eat bugs. And so uh, that's what I have to fight with on a daily basis. <laughs> you're like in the twilight zone a little bit. Yeah. It's bad enough fighting Christian in the Christian community, yeah. but then I have that as well. And it's just... Yeah. It's pretty overwhelming sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but uh, we're we're few, but we're proud. We're uh, yeah, uh, and I think you know what it is though. I think the times are changing because I think at one point the narrative of vegan, what meant, what it meant to be vegan, was really just one type of group of people, and I think now that more people are coming from so many different aspects and so many different ways that it's starting to change the narrative about what a quote-unquote vegan is supposed to look like or supposed to act like or have whatever message. I think it's just that the original sect of vegans became what people thought was everybody, but because it's becoming a lot more widespread, I think it's going to change more and more. Well, was it on our first podcast with Josh? It was that we were talking about um, how vegans are more nutritionally deficient in the EU because they do it mostly for the animals, but here it's not as prevalent because more people do it for health. So mm. I think that's pretty interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a junk food vegan um, thing going. And we actually have people in our group who are who would classify themselves as junk food vegan. So people that come into the Daniel Fast, a Bridge to Healthy Living Facebook group or join our, our boot camp, And they're like, you know what? I know I'm vegan. I don't have a problem with not eating animals or cheese or whatever, but I am, I, you know, I'm just eating those impossible burgers. I'm eating those French fries. I'm drinking that Coca-Cola. I'm drinking, you know, I'm eating things that are not serving my body nutritionally and I need to reset, you know, and so they come to us for that, you know, and so, um, it's, it's another market we haven't fully tapped yet, but, <laughs> but it's, there's definitely a need for it for sure. Yeah. Well, just, you know, so that somebody eating meat less, maybe like not once a week, I mean, that's, that's a win. So like trying to get people, you know, into whole food plant-based, that's a whole other monster that we're trying to tackle. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. We kind of hit on this a little bit already, but, um, as Christians, do you think God intended us to treat animals the way they're currently being treated in the factory farms? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think by the scriptures that I just read in Isaiah 11, six to nine, I think it's um, 
it's distorting this whole concept of dominion. I think dominion, I think that scripture is really saying to be stored, you know, when you think about the gentle um, conversation between Adam and God in the garden, and he says, Adam, you can name all of the animals. To me, that's intimacy, that's relationship, that's caring. When you name something, there's something um, intimate about that. There's not something aggressive and oppressive when you're naming the animals and you're taking care of the garden. And I think, you know, part of us, that's a cop-out because I think if anything, those scriptures should make us say, where are we falling short with how we're taking care of the animals and the planet? It should make us more inclined to say, you know, we need to reassess what we're doing as opposed to doubling down. There can't be any good coming out of, you know, boxing creatures in and animals into farm. You know, it's just, I don't mean, there's nothing good that can come out of it. You can't say the love of God is in this place. It's just, you just can't, if you're honest, just because I need a piece of meat to eat. You know what I mean? And I need it at excessive levels so that I can have it at breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack. You know, it's insane. It is. It's it's so frustrating that people don't get it. But. And and you, I'm sure you all hear this all the time, but when people talk to you, especially, you know, uh, being someone who's not vegan, they're like, oh, well, I, so I get the grass fed and I get, like, they try to make it sound like they get all the best it's like, do you really? I mean, it's like 99.9% of chicken is like factory farmed. So like how, how easy is it going to be to get that, you know? And I, and nutritionally, I think people don't understand because they're so hyper-focused on protein, but regardless of where you get that cow meat from, it's still going to create trimethylamine and oxide in your body, you know? So, you know, whether you get it from a factory farm or you get it from your local farmer who raised them right and, and then slit their throat and cut up their body to feed you, it's still going to, you know, create atherosclerosis in your body and put you at a greater risk of heart attack, stroke, and death. That's just the reality. So I think, you know, just from a health perspective, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, where that meat comes from. So like, I mean, we just talked about factory farms. What about just the state of our food in general and uh, the pharmaceutical industries? Do you think God intended them to be the way they are right now? Gee, this is you right here. I know. I'm trying to trying We're to get her started. Not kidding. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we recently we recently watched Dope Sick and uh, what was it? Painkillers. Painkillers. Yeah. On, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, I think I mean I think people are, you know, I I can't imagine, I, you know, I I am not an expert in a in the word. I read the word. I study the word. Every time I go back to the word, I learn something new. Um, and nowhere in the word that I've seen that it says that this is, you know, what God would want us to do. Like, you know, take advantage of people to get people hooked on, on drugs that, that cut their lives short, that create so much pain in their lives and with themselves and their family. It, 
I can't imagine. I don't, I've never seen that. And I, I just don't believe that that would be the case. I think that, um, I think that, that what we have is a system that is designed to help some people get rich off of you being sick, whether you're sick from toxic foods that you're eating or you're sick from being hooked on um, drugs that, you know, give you an artificial high. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, you just have to make the decision if you know that this is happening to you. You have a couple, you know, things you have to, I would say you'd want to look at is one, do you want to play in that space? You know, do you want to keep, you know, feeding the system? Um, and two, you know, we know that it's not helping, you know, usually when people go towards toxic foods or drugs or alcohol, that they're trying to meet an emotional need. And, you know, that's not where your need's going to get be met. And I would, you know, I would say that, and Cersei talked about this earlier, is, you know, it needs to, you need to go to God. You know, you need to ask God for help. You need God to come into that space and help you through whatever that is. And, um, and people are just using food and drugs and alcohol to kind of mask something that's not going to solve that problem. We also live in just such a convenience culture where it's like, oh, I'll just get fast food. Oh, I'll have somebody cook for me. Oh, this pill figure this out for me. Like yeah. that that's one of the real issues that we're facing, I think. Yeah. What was that statistic we heard on uh, Rip's podcast this week? Um, said something about a child they can get on Adderall. Oh, $200,000 is a $200,000 patient. Yeah. Oh, like wow. throughout their whole lifetime, it'll be like $200,000 that they'll spend to the pharmaceutical industry. For a child starting on, on Ritalin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's the, the money you make in your company. Yeah. Yeah. It's just greed. Yep. So, so many Christians, whether they're aware of it or not, use altruism as an excuse for why they don't take care of their own health. What do you say to those people to help them understand that without their health, they can't help others? Yeah, I think it really just goes back to, um, if, you know, do you believe the word where the Bible says that you are the temple of, the, of, of God, right? I think we know it instinctively that, you know, and I, I've said this before that, you know, if you've ever had an expensive car, Try telling someone to put like low grade gas in that in that um, premium car. They'll they'll cut your head off. They're not going to do it because they just they just instinctively know that this car needs premium gas. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to our bodies. How much more premium should be putting into our bodies? And we are the church. We are the temple of God, and we house the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the day, like Gigi was saying, if you're not healthy, how are you going to serve? How are you going to give? How are you going to do these things? We've had so many situations where you see someone's life cut short. God wants to use us at any age, right? He wants to be able to call us at 70, call us at 75. And for many of us, you know, Gigi could talk about this. There's a difference between a lifespan right? What's the other one, Jesus? The lifespan. Health span. Health span. Yeah, health. And a lifespan. So we're living long, 
but we're living many years sickly, right? So, so God can't call you for that mission trip at 65 because for whatever reason, you're not healthy enough to do it. And so if people could start connecting that, wait a minute, it's, it's not a guarantee I'm going to live to 100 if I do this, but the point is you're doing the best and you're saying, God, I'm going to live out my life as healthy as I possibly can. So I am ready for the charge at any point. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, they think it's being selfish to take care of themselves. When in reality, like you said, you can't help others if you're not healthy yourself. So there's, there's also additionally, there's also this bizarre mindset. Um, I've seen the meme float around the Liberty Spear a bunch. That's uh, it says like eighty percent of men would rather die early than give up meat. I'm just like, and, and like so many people like it and comment on it, like yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, man, so you're telling me you would rather eat meat than see your grandson or granddaughter grow up. Like, I, I just don't think they make that like middle yeah, it's connection. it's not a real connection because if they had to yeah. really choose, yeah, I don't think they would make that choice. I think that's more just uh, outward expression of just how addicted I am to these foods and I don't let yeah. them go. And so that's just a way of expressing it. But really deep down, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so... Ugh. Drives me crazy <laughs> every time I see it. Um, so, but yeah, we, we saw you have a uh, healthy Christian woman boot camp. Uh, can you tell us more about that and why, why you all started that? Yeah, yeah. It's a virtual boot camp and um, it's, it's very much, it's kind of in the, in the spirit of the way we wrote the book. It's very candid. It's kind of straight talk, um, but the boot camp, gets to the heart of those issues that people don't like to talk about. So it's broken out over five days. And day one is about creating a God-centered self-image. Day two is breaking our addiction to food. Day three is breaking generational patterns of poor health. Um, Day four is um, the courage to take action. And then day five is really connecting your financial wealth to your health. And, um, and so each day we unpack it in terms of both nutritionally, in terms of business, in terms of the Bible and scriptures. So um, I cover the nutritional and business part of it. Uh, and Cersei covers, she does an amazing sermon um, that links the Bible to each of those five topics. And um, by the end of it, you know, people because they're doing the Daniel fast while we're doing the boot camp, they get to feel some of the benefits of detoxing from those toxic foods. And for most people, usually by day three, they start feeling amazing. Um, and so they can get a glimpse of what good feels like, because what we find, and I found this for myself, I didn't even know I didn't feel good until I felt good, Yes, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's where we want to help people get to because they don't have a basis to compare how they currently feel to what good feels like. And so this, this is a nice way for people because anybody can do this for five days, right? They're just like, you know, even if you're going into it, like I can't, I'm not going to give up my cheese or my whatever, you know, you go into it and you know, you can do it for five days. 
And that's really just to help people get a glimpse of what it's like to make it a lifestyle. And then at the end of the boot camp, we invite um, we invite them into our four week program if they want to continue. And that is a deeper dive process where we really get more into the nutrition science and um, connecting your your food to your faith and um, and it just becomes a process where we help people actually make it a, a long-term lifestyle. And we have people in the group that have had amazing successes. Um, you know, like I said, reversing diabetes, losing a ton of weight. Um, we've got a few people that have become athletes. Um, two of them actually, um, they're here locally where I live and we competed in an Ironman relay nice. race uh, in Washington state. I did... Uh, one lady did the swim, I did the bike, and another lady did the run portion. And they never envisioned ever doing anything like that before. But because they started with what was at the end of their fork and how they felt they were able to have that energy to to work out and train for something like that. So it's just super exciting to, to see the transformation. Do you know uh, John Joseph? You heard that name before? Yes, I think so. I know the name. Yeah. He's yeah. like an old punk rocker from way oh, back. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. He, he does the Ironman uh, competitions. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Fully vegan. So. I, well, I love that you guys, you take it a step further. Like it's not just a five day thing. Like you can choose to keep going because it mm-hmm. seems like it it takes that transition of like at least a few weeks to get your taste mm-hmm. buds really starting to crave those mm-hmm. plant-based foods and so yeah i think going the the extra 4 weeks i'm sure you see a bigger improvement for the people oh yeah <laughs> yeah and and i'll say that we've had we've had people go through our boot camp not do the 4 weeks come back to the boot camp and then do the four weeks because we hold it the boot camp a couple times a year. So it's kind of like they did it. They felt good. They went back. They realized, mm, I didn't, you know, I remembered what I felt like before. And then, but they couldn't quite stick with it because they were trying to do it on their own. And then they sign back up for the boot camp the next time we offer it and then go into the course. They're like, okay, now I'm ready. <laughs> so, you know, which I give them a lot of credit, you know, like I, I keep saying, it took me five years. So they yeah. were a lot quicker than me, but, um, but that's, that is not uncommon either. You know, you do it, you experiment and it's just such a change from how you grew up and what you're used to and everything. And maybe you're just like, okay, I'm not quite ready, but, um, you know, when they jump back on again, you know, sometimes they are ready at that point. So that's great. You're there to catch them. Yeah. We need more support out there for people. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part is not having a community to go to. So yeah. it's great. You guys have that program. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is all the recipes you have on your website and in your <laughs> new book. Uh, so do you guys collaborate on those or how does that work? Yeah, we, I mean, we collaborate um, and um, it's, you know, some of the recipes honestly have been designed either to address a specific chronic illness that maybe someone in the group or someone, you know, like even in my family, like I remember making a smoothie for my husband um, 
who was uh, struggling with some high blood pressure issues. And um, so I kind of tailored the smoothie to, you know, help him to lower his high blood pressure from, you know, job stress and whatnot. And, um, and so, but then there are others that are inspired, you know, Cersei um, is Jamaican. And so she um, has, we've, we've made some Jamaican recipes like Aki and some rice and peas. And so there are some cultural recipes intertwined. And then we've got some, quite frankly, that we just knew that like there was a TikTok craze around girl dinner. I don't know if you've seen that if you're on yeah. TikTok. If you go to TikTok and type in girl dinner, it's this random, like people just take like random stuff out of their refrigerator and make it dinner. And so we took a, we did it, but made it like, took a healthy spin on it, you know, okay. because a lot of times people complain about buying too much produce and not eating it up or making it, using it in recipes you know, and then they end up, it ends up going bad too soon or whatever, and they end up throwing it out. Well, you know, make girl dinner out of it. And so it's this random concoction of actually stuff that I, that I eat somewhat normally, (laughs) of you know, just vegetables on a plate with a couple of green olives and a few almonds. And, you know, it's just, it's like this random, but it was, it was inspired out of a TikTok viral you know, craze around this thing called girl dinner. So, um, yeah, that's where it comes from. Yeah. (laughs) You guys think you'll put together a cookbook at some point? (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm not going to say no, I'm not going to say yes, but maybe, I mean, um, it, it could be in the future. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Cool. Um, so yeah, we really appreciate y'all's time and y'all's stories. It's been, it's been awesome. Um, so as we wrap up, um, got one last question for you. Um, what advice do you have for someone just starting a whole food plant-based lifestyle? Um, yeah, for someone that's just starting, I would say, you know, don't make it complicated. You know, the real thing is just fall in love with real food, you know, because sometimes we get preoccupied with recipes and it becomes our, our clutch. And then, you know, we can't figure out what to make and then that loses our momentum. But if you just genuinely just eat each food group and just fall in love with broccoli, fall in love with green, like just one by one and just take it one day at a time. And, um, and always keep your why at the center of what you're doing, because I think that's your anchor, because you're going to have days where, you know, you might get triggered emotionally and you want to revert back or, you you know, anything could happen. But if you keep your why at the center of everything, um, it will keep you grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I agree completely with what Cersei said. I think one of the things that helped me when I first um, adopted this lifestyle was just, you know, keeping it simple. So I went to the farmer's market and I found some, what I thought were kind of weird looking peas. I found out they were called Crowder peas, which I had never heard of, never had before, but I bought it and I just like cooked it and just paired it with some rice and um, some steamed broccoli, just very basic, simple meal. And it just allowed me to just discover what a Crowder pea was, what it tastes like. And 
It's just, you know, not overcomplicating it and just enjoy the process of discovering all the plants that God has given us, which, you know, we're so blessed. I mean, there's still things that I still have in doing, in eating this way for over um, 11 years now, you know, there are still foods that I come across that I never had before mm-hmm. um, because there are so many plants. Um, I remember, Cersei, when we were together and you had a fig for the first time. I don't think I fried or in stuff, but I never had the actual fig. Like just the actual fruit yeah. of a fig. Yeah. And uh, you were like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> This is what they put in fig newtons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Go back to the forest, guys. Go back to the forest. Yeah, go back to the forest. That's right. I know I started gardening like last year and that's just been a huge like just makes you appreciate food. Yeah. On a bigger yep. level, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're really excited because uh, next month we we have a she started a um, meetup group where it's the Emerald Coast plant based meetup group, oh. and uh, next month we're going to this place that does vegan homesteading, and mm. like they make a bunch of stuff that you've like never heard of, like all their vegetables are just like yeah, really bizarre, yeah, and so we're really excited to try yeah. that out. They're gonna do a whole like. Uh, educational thing and then cook for us so oh wow that's that's amazing. Yeah. where are y'all located we're on the emerald coast so we're close to pensacola oh okay yeah yeah cool it's it's pretty cool that place is uh in laurel hill mm-hmm. um, earth farm nine is what it's called yeah they used to be near fort myers right yeah and then the hurricane hit so they moved up here yeah Thank you guys again for coming on. Would you mind uh, telling our listeners where they can find you? And if you have any last minute comments before we wrap up. Yeah. Our website is healthyformypurpose.com. The recipes are at danielsplate.com. If you want to give us a follow on IG, we're at Daniel Fast to Healthy Living. So, but if you go to healthyformypurpose.com, you can find links to all those other places. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to Plant-Based Liberty.